So as Pam mentioned, brand new series this morning, All In is the theme for the year. We're looking at All In Encounters with Jesus. Now whenever I hear the word encounter, particularly if it's combined with close encounter, the movie from the 1970s springs to mind. And I guess there's a lot of movies about aliens. Um, Sometimes they're good aliens who want to come and live amongst us. Sometimes they're bad, nasty little creatures that do all sorts of awful things. Uh, Sometimes they just want to get home again, don't they? And uh, just need the phone. But um, there's one alien who is a nice alien. He's possibly our uh, most favourite alien, and that's Superman from uh, the planet Krypton. And uh, this particular version of the movie was on TV recently, and uh, Lois Lane said to him, oh, what does the S stand for? And Superman said, well, it's not actually an S. In your country or your, your earth here, it's an S. But uh, from where I come from, it's a symbol of hope. A symbol of hope. And I want to start this series about close encounters or all-in encounters with Jesus, making that point that an encounter with Jesus is about hope. Hope for life now, hope for... Uh, life eternal, uh, hope for uh, the challenging times we face, um, hope for uh, families, hope for people, hope for nations, that uh, it's all about hope. So if you're someone who takes notes, the first point is that an encounter with Jesus is about hope. It is about hope. I want to feature uh, or refer to another movie. It's not an alien invasion kind of a movie. This is one of my all-time favourite movies, and it's Castaway. And in this movie, the central character, Tom Hanks, finds himself stranded on a deserted island after a plane crash. He's the only survivor, and he has to battle all the challenges of living alone on an island for four years. And I love that he overcomes um, difficulty over difficulty over difficulty. And... uh, The thing about this movie, though, is it has a really strange kind of an ending. It's a very hollow ending. Um, He eventually gets rescued. He goes back to life. The girl he was in love with, he was going to marry, um, thinking he was dead, has married someone else. They have a little daughter. And so there's this real hollow feel. And at the end of the movie, the last scene is Tom Hanks at a crossroad. And... I think encounters with Jesus can be sometimes like being at a crossroad. Um, Here I've come from a certain direction. I'm meeting Jesus at the crossroad. We have an encounter. And which way am I going to go now? Where am I going to go? Jesus is promising hope, but it's up to me to choose and make that decision. And so encounters with Jesus are about hope, but they can be like a crossroad where we have choices that we have to make. The story that we're featuring today from the Bible is in Luke chapter 19. Now the book of Luke is, uh, is written by Luke and <laughs> it's strange, I know, it's strange. And he focuses on um, Jesus' love for the outcasts, the people who were considered sinners, the people who were considered lower in society. And that's Luke's focus. And often when we're reading stories in Luke, there's a reversal. Things are flipped around. Um, the rich and the, uh, the wealthy and those with status, um, they're humbled. They're brought down. 
and those who are poor and humble, they're, they're raised up. And so a lot of the stories that happen in the book of Luke are about that reversal, um, the outcasts and Jesus ministering to the people that people uh, others would have, uh, would have rejected. So that's the central theme in the book of Luke, the love that Jesus has for the outcasts and the sinners. So let's have a look at the Bible passage this morning. It's about uh, a fellow called Zacchaeus. In the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus, who was the supervisor over all tax collectors. I'll just pause for a moment, a little bit of uh, background for those who are unfamiliar. Tax collectors were dishonest. They worked, uh, they were the Jewish people, but they worked for the Roman government to collect the taxes. The Jews didn't like the Romans, and uh, often the Jews would collect what was required for the Romans, but a little bit more for their own pocket. So uh, they weren't the um, most popular people. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive, and we'll find out why that is in a moment. Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree so that he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down, for I am appointed to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. I love that expression, came face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, look at this, of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the, of the Lord and said, Half of all that I owe, I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. Jesus said to him, This shows that today life has come to you and your household, for you are a true son of Abraham. The Son of Man has come to seek out and give life and hope to those who are lost. When Zacchaeus woke up that morning and slowly the mist of the night sort of goes away from your mind, you start to think, oh, what time is it? What am I doing today? Do you know the feeling? Is it a work day? Is it not a work day? What do I have to do? As he's going through that thought process and waking up, he didn't think, ah, today's the day I meet Jesus. He was not expecting to meet Jesus. It was a total surprise to him. However, Jesus expected to meet Zacchaeus. Ten chapters ago, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus said to his disciples, the time has come for me to go to Jerusalem where I'll be handed over and crucified as a sacrifice for the sins of everyone. And in that 10 chapters, on that physical journey to Jerusalem, many things happen. Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. He meets 10 lepers and heals them. He visits the home of Mary and Martha. He talks to uh, people about faith in him. He heals someone on a Sabbath, and is criticised for that. So a lot of popular stories from the Bible happen in that time. 
And many of those stories are with the outcasts and the sinners, showing again that Jesus was there for them. So it's fitting that the meeting with Zacchaeus is actually part of the climax of that journey to Jerusalem. He still wasn't there yet. But Zacchaeus was the last person that Jesus interacted with in that way. Just a a random from the crowd, so to speak. And uh, in verse 10 that we just read, that's almost the theme verse to Luke. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Just prior to entering Jericho, there was a crowd around Jesus already. And in that crowd, there was a blind man just sitting by the side of the road, just outside the city walls of Jericho. And this man could hear all the commotion. He couldn't see what was happening. He could hear all the commotion. He called out, what, what's going on? What's going on? And someone said to him, Jesus is coming this way. This blind man called out, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. People in the crowd told him to be quiet. He was making too much noise. But he called out all the more. Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus heard this man and went over to him and said, what is it that you want? And the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus healed him. And the crowd were amazed. So this all happened just outside Jericho. And you could imagine the buzz that this generated. It filtered into the city wall. And people were already starting to crowd around. Jesus is coming. He's just healed somebody. So this big crowd came through the city gates into Jericho. There was already a crowd gathering around to, uh, to see Jesus and to hear what had happened. And that's the scene. That's why there was such a massive crowd that day. Zacchaeus would have heard all of this commotion, wondered what the heck was going on. But I think it was more than just curiosity. I think something stirred within him. There was this need for hope. He was a rich man. He was an unpopular man. Perhaps he was unhappy. But he needed the hope that an encounter with Jesus could provide. The Bible says he was eager to see Jesus. But all of this placed Zacchaeus in a tree, yes, but also at a crossroad where he had to make a choice about what was going to happen. Some key points from this. The first one is that Zacchaeus made every effort to be face-to-face with Jesus. He made every effort to be face-to-face with Jesus. Way back in 1983, I was a young teacher at a primary school in Cardiff North. And uh, it was announced that Prince Charles and Lady Di would be visiting Newcastle. Anybody remember their visit to Newcastle? Great. Oh, (laughs) Jane does. There's a few over here as well. And uh, the schools were able to send a a group of students to go and meet them. And it was at what was then called the Newcastle International Sports Centre, now McDonald Jones Stadium. And there are pictures of that actual event. Um, And um, the stadium didn't have two big grandstands and it had one small grandstand on the western side. And uh, then there was the sports field and all around the sports field was just embankments. And so crowds would come to watch a sporting event or watch this and just be on the grass around the outside. And the setup was that the public could be on the outer side, the official people in the grandstand, and all the school students who were going would be on the field itself, on the sporting field. 
but you can see around the edge of the sporting field there was a gap there where Charles and Di would be driven around. But rather than just attend, the schools who were going, the students could put together a bit of a routine, a dance routine or something that's choreographed, um, an aerobics routine or something to set music. And the idea was that at the, at the appointed time the music would start to play and all the school students would do their own individual little routines. So being the new teacher at this school, I was given the joyous task of putting together a bit of a routine. That was the start of my career in choreography. And it was the end of my career in choreography as well. I thought this wasn't too bad. So we practiced diligently. The students knew their moves. And... uh, I made sure they had correct uniform and were looking their best. And on the day of the visit, we went across to the, uh, the sports centre there. Now, we had to be there an hour and a half before Charles and Di arrived. And we were sitting on the field. There's no shade. It was before the time of plastic bottles and water, so there was no water available either. And it was quite a warm day. So uh, the kids, of course, were sitting perfectly quiet and still <laughs> while they were waiting and uh, by the time Charles and Di actually arrived, we were hot, we were sweaty, we were bothered, we were tired, but Charles and Di arrived. The music started and all the schools did their routines. <laughs> there was more to it, I'm sure, I just can't remember. And Charles and Di went around the outside in their open-top vehicle there looking at the different schools. I did think the school that brought a full-size trampoline was going a little bit too far, seriously. (laughs) Seriously. But as they went past, Charles tapped the driver on the shoulder and said, just back up a little bit. And they stopped and they got out of the car and they walked through the crowd and Charles said, Graham? It's Graham Evans, isn't it? And... Di said to me, this is just pure genius. (laughs) Sitting in the sun for a long time does funny things to your memories, doesn't it? They just kept driving on past. And we were some 30 or 40 metres back from that area in the middle of the pack. And I'm sure their attention was captured by that trampoline and not by the school that I was with. And it was a bit of a letdown. It was good to be there. It was an experience. Um, After they did their lap and the music stopped, we had to sit down again and wait for half an hour while there were some official speeches and so forth. And then we bust the kids back to the school. I was in the vicinity of Charles and Di. I didn't have an encounter with them. I didn't see them face to face. And I think there are times where people are in the vicinity of Jesus. They dip their toe in the water. They stick their head through the back door of the church and say, oh, no, that's not for me. But they haven't had a face-to-face encounter. And that's what Zacchaeus absolutely longed for. He didn't want to just be in the vicinity of Jesus. He wanted to have that face-to-face encounter. He could have stayed there at the back of the pack trying to look over shoulders or peer between people 
And that would have been his perspective of that time with Jesus. But Zacchaeus didn't remain a victim of his circumstance. Yes, he was short. Yes, there was a big crowd. But he thought, I'm not going to let this stop this opportunity. Sometimes it feels good to be a victim. Sometimes you feel good to say, well, no one told me Jesus was coming. And feel sorry for yourself. No one saved a spot for me in the front of the crowd. I could have seen Jesus easily without climbing that tree. Self-pity can be something that feels good for a while. I was talking with someone recently who admitted to being angry about a situation and said it actually felt good for a time. For a time. It can absolve responsibility. Well, it wasn't my fault. I had nothing to do with it. I was just the innocent victim. But Zacchaeus wasn't going to stand for that. He wasn't going to stand for that. He ran ahead of the crowd and climbed a tree. He did what he could do, not just to be in the vicinity of Jesus, but to be face to face with him. There's an analogy about life, that life is like being on a dance floor. And on the crowded dance floor, we're concentrating on our own moves, whatever they may be. (laughs) Who we're dancing near, the beat of the music, just on what's happening around us. But we can leave the dance floor, walk up the stairs to the balcony that overlooks the dance floor and look down on what's happening. And we can see, well, that's where I was dancing, that's what's happening around there. But there's actually more space over here. That's a better place to be. And, oh, I didn't know Freddie was there. I might go and chat with him. He looks a little bit lonely. And, oh, over there there's drinks and nibblies. I didn't realise. There's, there's food there. There's refreshments. And you get an entirely different perspective. And I think it's good that there are times in life where we just draw back and have a look at what's happening rather than being caught up in it. And that's what Zacchaeus was doing. He was just pulling away from the crowd, putting himself somewhere where he could have a good look at what's happening and see Jesus face to face. The irony in this story is that Zacchaeus' name, Zacchaeus who's the crook, the tax collector, the person who's despised, his name means pure. His name means pure. And Jesus called him by name. They'd never met before. And that says a lot about Jesus. He knows us. He knows our situation. He knows our circumstances. But he looks beyond the life of the person to who they really are. Pure. Pure. This is what the Bible calls us. Jesus knows us as sons and daughters of God. As heirs of the Father. And joint heirs with him. He says that we are no longer slaves, but friends. Justified and redeemed. The Bible says we're children of God. We're saints. We're a new creation. We're chosen. We're blameless before God. We are God's workmanship. We are crowned with glory to rule over God's creation. We're a citizen of heaven. So despite our shortcomings, our failures, 
God sees us as we are through Christ, pure and forgiven. And he wants to meet with us face to face at the crossroads. The second point I'd like to make from this story, it's a question. What will you leave at the crossroads? What will you leave at the crossroads? What you carry into the crossroads and that encounter with Jesus won't be what you carry out. Perhaps there'll be a cost. Perhaps it'll just be a a relief that a burden can be put down. You know, that Jesus' invitation to Zacchaeus to come down from the tree so they could meet face to face didn't have any strings attached. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, when you've sorted out your finances, come on down and we'll talk. But you get that sorted out first. Zacchaeus, when you've sort of grown a little bit, come and talk to me and uh, we'll have a bit more of a conversation. Zacchaeus, go and sort things out with the community. You really need to try and get some friends. And once you've done that, we'll talk. Jesus said, come on down, we have an appointment. No strings attached. The Bible says that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. He didn't wait for us to come to any certain level of goodness because it wasn't possible for us to do that. So while the invitation didn't have any strings attached, it did require a response. And this is what Zacchaeus left at the crossroads. For Zacchaeus, that response was putting things right with the money that he'd taken dishonestly. In the Old Testament, there was a law that said if you stole something, you had to return it plus 20%. Now that would mean if Zacchaeus had taken $100 from someone, he'd have to give him the 100 plus 20%, $120 back. But he was giving four times the amount, $400 back. Not a bad investment. But that was Zacchaeus wanting to give over and above. And that's that reversal that Luke so often writes about, where things are just turned on their head um, unexpectedly. So at the crossroads, Zacchaeus left his pride. He left his status as a very wealthy man. He left his security, his financial security was gone. And uh, that entitlement that he had. But it wasn't just about giving away money. It represented an inner change that he had. Zacchaeus had been someone whose life was motivated by greed. What can I get out of it? But the change was generosity. Instead of thinking, how can I enrich my life? How can I make this life better? What else can I get for myself? Zacchaeus was saying, how can I, from my life that's been enriched by Christ, give to others? And that's a significant difference, isn't it? That's evidence of the depth of the encounter that he had with Jesus. That instead of wanting to give, sorry, to get and to get more and more and more, he's saying, well, I'm in a position now what I can give. I don't mean just from a financial point of view because he was wealthy, but because of the change in heart. And I think that's a good indication of the kind of encounters that we have. Are we people who can enrich the lives of others because we have encountered God? Or have we had that encounter at the crossroad 
and still trying to get what we can for ourselves. It's all about an enriched life is positioned to enrich the lives of the others. And the last point I'd like to make is how will you leave the crossroad? The first point, do what you can to become to um, be face to face with Jesus. The second, what is it that you have to leave at the crossroad? And this one, how will you leave the crossroad? Certainly giving away the money was a desire that Zacchaeus had to put things right. And he knew that he had to do that. But there is a deeper difference than that. We see that in verse 9. Verse 9 of the text says, and this is Jesus speaking, this shows that today life has come to you and your household. For you are a true son of Abraham. Now what does that mean? You are a true son of Abraham. Zacchaeus was a Jew. And way back in the Jewish history was Abraham. Abraham was a person of faith. God spoke to Abraham and said, you are going to be the father of a great nation. And I promise that that will be the case. My promise to you is that I will be your God and you will be my people. And Abraham is seen as the father of the Jews. Now Zacchaeus, being a Jew, was born into that heritage by birth. But now he stepped into it by faith. So instead of just being a son of Abraham because you were born a Jew, Jesus is saying, you belong to me because your faith in me, because your change in your heart shows that you are someone who wants to live for me. So Zacchaeus stepped into the promise that God has for himself. He wasn't just claiming it because it was a birthright, but he stepped into it for himself. He became a true son of Abraham. And it's important that Zacchaeus made that declaration, I will give back money. I will fix things up. I will make things right. It's one thing to think that, but when you say it, you're committed to it. And when Zacchaeus says that, before he has a chance to do anything about it, Jesus said, this shows that you are now a son of Abraham, a true son. The Jews had lots of rules. Zacchaeus probably broke a lot of them in gaining his wealth. The thing about obeying rules is that people think you are a good person. That person always drives the speed limit. They must be a good person. That person always does what's right. They're a good person. And it brings glory to yourself. But when you are a follower of Jesus, your life brings glory to him. And that transformation that Zacchaeus went through brought glory to Jesus. So Zacchaeus left the crossroads transformed with a new heart, with a new motivation, with a new desire, with a new focus on his life. You know, sometimes crossroads are big. Probably the biggest one we have in Newcastle might be the Newcastle Interchange where you can go over or under or east or west or north or south. But I'm sure you've 
either been in bigger cities than Newcastle or seen pictures on the TV of these massive interchanges that have four or five levels and off-ramps and on-ramps and thousands of cars on them at any one time. And sometimes the crossroads in life are like that, where we just come to this massive part in our life where we have big decisions to make and we meet Jesus for the first time and our lives are just turned around and transformed like Zacchaeus was. There are many people here who have had that encounter with Jesus, that big crossroads encounter and are living for him. If you haven't, that's the first place to start, that all-in encounter with Jesus. But there's a lot of small crossroads in life as well. You went through dozens just getting here to church this morning, I'm sure. And sometimes the crossroads might be where Jesus is just saying, yes, I know you're living for me, but we need to fine-tune some things. Let's just have a face-to-face session here. It could be that we've picked up burdens and we're carrying things that we shouldn't be carrying. Or it could be that we're making decisions and heading down the wrong road and Jesus is calling us back to the crossroad because really that's the direction and you've gone the wrong direction. Or it could be that those we're travelling with on the journey aren't the kind of people that Jesus would want us to be with. It could be that we're a little bit too slow and Jesus is saying, come on, come on, we've got things to do, places to go. It could be that we're feeling helpless and hopeless about something and Jesus wants to meet us at the crossroad and say, there is hope. I've come to give you hope and to life, give you life eternal. There's lots of little things that happen on our journey, little crossroad moments where we encounter Jesus face to face. I want to finish my message um, with a, a song. I'm not singing, it's okay. (laughs) The dancing was enough. (laughs) Um, A a song played by um, uh, a Christian artist from the 1970s, Chuck Gerard, And the words are, lay your burden down. And I just want to read out the words to you. Lay your burden down. Take your troubled soul, your tired mind, and lay your burden down. Lay your burden down, get your feet on solid ground. Take your worries to the foot of the cross and lay your burden down. Are there things that you're worrying about this morning? What's on your mind? And Jesus is saying, meet me at the crossroads. Put it down and move on without it. Lay your burden down, take your weary life, your heavy load and lay your burden down. Take your failures to the foot of the cross and lay your burden down. Is there some failure in your life? Something that you just need to leave behind at the crossroad? You've been trying hard to make it all alone, trying hard to make it on your own, and the strength you once were feeling isn't there no more. And you think the wrong you've done is just too much to be forgiven. I wonder whether Zacchaeus ever thought that. God, it's too much. But remember, Jesus called him by name, pure. You know that isn't true. Just lay your burden down. He has forgiven you. Take your burden to the cross and lay it down. And while this song is being played, if you want to lay something down at the cross, 
to come to the crossroads and to meet Jesus, to do what you can to meet him face to face. I want to encourage you to do that. Now that might be simply as you're seated where you are, just between you and God, that quiet moment. Maybe you want to come and kneel down here and, uh, and just pray, just have a quiet moment with God. But do all you can. Don't stand at the back of a crowd. Don't be a victim. Don't say, well, I can't. Don't be in the vicinity. I tried, but it wasn't for me. Do what you can. Come face to face with Jesus and have that encounter with him.